0: I think your bulletin has all the announcements. There's only one I want to point out. It's, it's a few, uh, few weeks away. But September 6th, I believe, is the Labor Day Sunday. We're going to have a special service back under the tent um, after, uh, in the afternoon at 4 o'clock. We're gonna, uh, all the ch- a number of churches are going to gather together. We're going to have a time of worship and a time of testimonies and sharing. And then we're gonna have a potluck, and it's it's gonna take the place of what we do every year at the end of summer, our end of end of summer barbecue. So that's <coughs> gonna be on Labor Day Sunday. I think it's September sixth, um, right out here at four o'clock. And we're thinking we, we're gonna t- t- uh, discuss it, but we may have service Sunday morning under the tent, also like we did for the Jubilee, and that was a lot of fun. So we'll we'll let you know on that. But definitely four o'clock. So put that in your in your thinkers, um, in your in your cell phones if you have a calendar program so we don't forget, 4 o'clock, and then uh, we'll have dinner afterwards together. Um, as we're, we're going to get ready for the offering, and as the ushers are getting in place for that and you're getting your checks or whatever it is that you might have, I want to thank everyone who already has given and given online, um, but uh, you know, I was thinking this week, um, you know, we're, we're not, a, Southern California is not a real farm place, but I had the opportunity uh, a few years back to live in the Central Valley with a lot of farms, cow farms and, and almond farms and, and just just a lot of different things, growing corn, and, um, and has anyone ever spent any time on a farm? Okay, so so quite a few of us. Has anyone ever, like, kind of dreamt of spending time on a farm? I think that's in us, most of us, too. It's like there's something in there, you know, except for the smell. You know, Oakdale smelled to high heaven, and we first got there, we says, what is that smell? And somebody says that's the smell of money. That is the smell of money, because everything up there came from the farms, and it was a lot of actually dairy farms up there. But uh, you know, when you're going out to plant your farm, you know those farms that you've seen, and, and we, we were actually offered a church um, uh, many years ago to be the senior pastors in a church in Kansas, in Garden Garden City, Kansas, which is at the uh, west side and we drove from Denver to get there, and it was three and a half hours of flat. Uh, in fact, I called somebody before we went there um, who lived in, in Kansas, but, but more like in Kansas City, and I said, hey, what's, you ever heard of Garden City? And she said, oh yeah. I said, well, what's it like over there? She goes, it's flat. <laughs> and I says, you live in Kansas. What do you mean it's flat? She goes, oh no. There's a whole nether flat in Garden City. <laughs> And, and, three, and a half, three and a half hours in any direction was just, and there was just farms and farms and farms, and they were just amazing, huge, money-making farms. But, you know, they didn't start out that way. They started out with a seed, and they grew it. And the farms began to grow. You know, I was thinking about as we give in, in, in the offering today, it starts out with a seed. And God wants to continue to grow this place until we are flourishing and feeding Hundreds and hundreds of people here in the valley, but it starts with just a seed. As we give into the offering today, know that that what we give is going to flourish and expand the kingdom of God. Here, all the places we're connected, we've talked about it before. We see we believe God is going to move upon this place. Things are even changing, and we don't know what God has next. But you may have heard it's very sad that the um, the co-op in the Pines Bear Valley Community Nursery School is closing officially. We've been their home here for for over a decade i believe and um they did not have enough students to start up in their closing and and we're really sad about, we are really sad i love to have these little kids and i said but lord when you close one door, you open another. Yeah. What are you gonna use this building to do to minister to reach? So we're playing, praying and we know that God has placed us out here to reach his people, to reach this community. And as we give into the offering today, we're giving in faith that God's gonna take what we give and expand it to continue to reach the lost, amen? Who can give in faith today to expand the kingdom of God? Amen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it by raising my check. As, as we give into the offering today, Father, we pray that you would bless this offering. You've put us here for a purpose, and God, we want to be faithful to what you have for us. God, as we give today as the seed, Lord, we pray that it would expand until there are fields and, fields and fields of fields of growth, Lord God, and that we are feeding hundreds and thousands even here, not physically, Lord, but, but with the word of God. Bless this offering. God, continue to expand your kingdom in this place, in this valley, and throughout the world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For those of you who have gone digital, you can go to our website at www.bigbearchristiancenter.org. Click on the, on the giving button and it can set you up for, for a one-time gift. If, if you need, you know, sometimes you go, you know, I, I forget and I've got a fixed income and I'd just like to give every month. You can give and set it up to just give automatically every month. Um, that's what we actually do with uh, with some of the missions that we support, um, we use the website, because it, sometimes I forget, and so we just have it automatically deducted from our account, and that's a credit card. You can give on a credit card too, but please don't go into debt to give. Give what you have, not what you want to have. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I, I, I knew someone, actually knew them too well, but they... Uh, they were moved really, really well. They were struggling financially, and they were moved um, when they were watching CBN years ago, and they wrote a $10,000 check. They didn't have $10 in their account, but they wrote a $10,000 check and sent it to CBN. We don't encourage that. That didn't go well. That didn't go well. <laughs> so we, give, we, we, do, we do give by faith, but, we, but it is according to what God has already blessed us. Amen? Amen. We're going to be in the book of Joshua this morning, Joshua chapter 6. You know, I was thinking this week of a, of a story, and, and maybe it was because I've wanted to play hooky once or twice myself, but the pastor woke up, and he had just had a bad week, and he just, he didn't want to go, he didn't want to go to work. The problem is it was Sunday, so he called one of the elders and said, I can't preach today. Joe, you're going to have to preach today. He says, oh, I'm sorry, pastor. We'll take care of everything for you. He Hung up the phone and his wife looked at him. He says, what are you doing? He grabbed his golf clubs. He says, I'm going golfing. She says, you can't do this. He says, I've had it. I need a break. I'm going golfing. So he goes out to the, to the range and he gets on the, on the first hole and, and he sw- goes back and he swings and hits just an amazing straight drive. It was a par three. He got it all the way down onto the green in one and made the, the putt and got it in, in, in two. And an angel looked at God and says, God, are you going to let him get away with this? He says, you know, he's a pastor. He's supposed to be in church. And God says, you just wait. Hole two, same thing. He's getting under par every hole. He's shooting the best game of his life. He even got a hole in one. After about 10 holes, the angel says, God, are you really going to let him get away with these amazing hole in one and under par shots? And God says, no. He says, well, what are you going to do? He says, well, who is he going to tell? Josh could relate with that. You know, can you imagine getting the best game of your life and not being able to tell anyone, you know? Anyways, it was kind of fun. To, it has nothing to do with the message. Uh, but uh, anyways, Joshua chapter 6 is where we're at this morning. And we've, we've been marching through as Joshua marched around Jericho. We're kinda of going around chapter six, end of five and chapter six again. We're gonna make one more loop and then uh, next week we have a guest gonna be here, Paul and Joni Walterman from Fresh Heart Ministries. He'll be in service with us next Sunday. Um, and we're actually gonna be on vacation. So I encourage you to go ahead and tell the people who don't like to come when I'm here to go ahead and come, it's safe. But you know don't take it as an opportunity to leave come and hear the word and be blessed by Paul Walterman. I he just comes uh, he's a pastor he used to work for uh, Promise Keepers for many many years and now he he writes a blog and writes books um he's been in service once before they've just a, got a great heart for the family for prayer and he's going to bring a word now I'm going to warn us or warn you, uh, he told me, he says, You know, I'll come. I'm glad to come and, and, and preach next week as long as I don't scare the people. And he's having eyelid surgery this week, like his coming week. And so his eye, he says he's going to probably look like a raccoon, just real bruised up. But he says he'll be fine, so just don't be scared, you know, <laughs> of him. He's, if it looks like eye makeup, he doesn't wear eye makeup. Um, but he'll be next week. And then the week after that, we're going to be in chapter 7 of of Joshua so read ahead read ahead this next couple of weeks read the book of Joshua and and study it really well because Corey, uh, Cory and and Robert Parley they're going to uh, kind of tag-team the message in two weeks and they're going to be bringing the word uh, in two weeks we'll be back so I'll get to heckle them from the front row but I've just asked them to you know just go ahead and prepare the word so we want to want we want to make sure what they're preaching is coming out of the word so read up and make sure right Okay. So chapter 6. Who has read Joshua chapter 6 recently? Anyone want to admit to that? We got a few people. We got a few. Now, I should have said, who hasn't read it? And let's see, see, who, see who is brave. Whoa. You know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, when I, I told people in my youth group years ago, I said, hey, next week, read chap- Mark chapter 18 in preparation for our, our, our uh, service. And somebody's already giggling. And so the rest of you are going, why is Shan giggling? So when we came back the next week, I said, okay, so who read Mark chapter 18? And all these hands went up. And I says, okay, tonight's lesson is on lying. Turn with me to Mark 18. And they all turned their Bibles and they realized there wasn't one. So then this, I thought you said eight, Pastor Rob. So we're not going to do that yet. At least not yet. So what we're going to do in, in this morning is take a look at actually the end of chapter 5 um, through chapter 6. We're not going to do a lot of, we're not going to read the whole thing. We pray that you have. Um, and, and otherwise you can get started right now if you read really fast, you can get it done. Um, but I want to talk about 10 things that we learn, learned, 10 lessons we can take away from this passage. And this is the Jericho passage. And there's more than 10. There's a, there's a lot more that we can take away. But I, I I'm hoping a couple of things through this that one, we get to see some of the things that we're learning from the book as we go. Another thing I'm hoping will happen is that as you read the Bible, you can look for things in your own study that says, "What can I take away from this section?" and begin to not just read through the Bible but actually read it and say, "What is in here that I can take and, and turn it around and, and maybe let it become a study as you read the Bible, looking for life lessons and, and so we're just going to go through and I th- it gives me about three minutes on each, each thing, and that's just about perfect. We're going to move, you know, we're not going to spend a lot of, a lot of time. Um, so 10 things that we learned from Joshua chapter 6 or from the story of Jericho. Starting in the first portion of, of chapter 5 at the end, remember that was when the commander of the army of the Lord came. And Joshua, Joshua's found out, he was, he was spying out the land. And the commander of the army, the Lord, which we found, is Jesus. Jesus in, in the flesh coming as the commander of God's army. We're not going to get into that. That was from a few weeks ago. Um, last week's message isn't online because the computer crashed. It is up and going. We can thank David Rogers for that. He spent a lot of time fixing it and getting to the things we needed. Um, but uh, so w- what do we, one of the things we learned from that is that Joshua was out He was away from the people, and he was watching Jericho, and and Jesus came. The commander of the army of the Lord came to him. And so one of the first things that we can, can get from that is that we need to learn to get to a place where we can hear from God. See, Joshua had to leave the camp and get alone so that God could come and talk to him. And we need to figure out what that looks like for us. We need to, as Christians, get to a place that we can begin to hear from God. Now, sometimes that's a physical place, and sometimes it's a spiritual place, and, and, and sometimes it's both. Let's, let's talk about the physical place. Joshua had to physically leave the camp so that he was alone and not distracted um, in order to hear from God. One of the things I think that Joshua had to be able to do is to be humble and to be real. Sometimes when we're with, it, with people all the time, we can't hear from God because we've got our pride, we've got our business, we've got these things pressing on us. So it's important that we would get to a place where we would be able to hear from God. And Sunday morning is a place you can do that. Your life group is a place you can do that. But sometimes it needs to be all alone where God can speak to just you. And more and more in our society, we're never alone. You know, sometimes I feel like I go to bed with all of you, because in the middle of the night, my phone goes off with a Facebook post that you did at 2 o'clock in the morning. You know what I want to do? Because I want to say, what are you doing up? You woke me up. I need to learn to turn this off more. But, but we're, we're always, we're always with, with people, you know, I, I mean, I, I, mean I, I just forget it's my alarm clock. That's part of the problem. And I put it there and all of a sudden, bing, uh, do you ever feel like you're never alone? You know, we're, we're really in that society. One of the reasons the nursery, the co-op is closed is because I believe the parents are, are too busy to come and volunteer. It's, you know, we, we've come to a place where a lot of them, there's very few um, moms who don't have to work or who are choosing not to work because we've got so much going on. We need to learn to get away from the busyness, turn off the phone, turn off the distractions, and get away with God. We need to get up to a place where we can hear from God. Joshua had to leave the camp. You know, worship is, is an, intimate, an intimate time. And, and Song of Solomon is a great book on, on worship and a relationship with God. And Song of Solomon isn't just poetry, and it's not just the story of, of a man with his lover. I mean, it's. I mean, this is like, you know, pretty, if you've never read Song of Solomon, it's a pretty heavy book, but it's also a picture of God's relationship with us. And when you look at that, it's very intimate. In chapter eight of, of Song of Solomon though, it says this, it says, come away with me, my lover. Come away with me, my lover. That is God crying out to us. And he says, come away with me, my lover, you know, when you want to be intimate, you don't do it at the movie theater. You know, this is not a great place to be intimate. You don't do it at Jack in the Box. You're not gonna you're gonna be intimate, you're gonna be alone. Get alone with God to become intimate with Him. Sometimes it's a physical place. It's also a spiritual place. Well, what do I mean by that? We can be alone and yet not want to be with God. We can be at church and yet not want to be with God. Things hinder us from wanting to be with God. Think of the Garden of Eden. Here, I I, I can't wait for heaven because the Garden of Eden is a picture of what we're going to experience in heaven. Fellowship with God. Absolute, anytime, open, walking with God in the cool of the day. But when sin came in, when Adam and Eve took of the fruit, they heard God walking in the garden. And what did they do? They hid themselves. And God, walking around, looking for them, calls to them, and he, and he says, in, in, in Genesis, God says to Adam, where are you? He didn't ask, where were you? He was already with Adam, and, he, and, 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 I, and I thought he had said, where were you? He, started, he says, no, where are you? What do you mean, where are you? He knew where he was, and he knew where he is, and yet he says, where are you? Where are you, spiritually? Spiritually. And Adam's response was, I heard you walking, and I was afraid, so I hid. Sometimes we hear the Lord, and we're afraid of Him finding us, and we hide ourselves. But even in our time of worship this morning, we heard the cry of the Lord out to us, just come to me, all you are burdened and heavy laden, confess your sins, I'll make you clean. We might be in a spot, you might be in a spot today or any time, it can come in like a flood where the enemy, you've, you've just said yes to sin instead of no, and you've, and you've separated yourself from God. But the, the important thing is that as soon as we find ourselves doing that, simply, God, I'm sorry, don't hide from Him. We need to put ourselves in a place that we can hear from God. And if we've got sin separating us from Him, we can't hear from Him. That's the first thing that we learn from the book of Joshua. The second thing goes right in the same section at the end of chapter five, is that once once God reveals himself to Joshua, he says, I'm the commander of the army, then what does it say Joshua did? He worshiped God. Worship of God is so important as Christians. Not singing songs, but actual worship of God we need to find ourselves uh, more and more in a position where we're giving worship well what is worship by definition it's simply this it's ascribing worth to something or someone we, we it, it's in fact the word in english comes from an old english word "worthship." you're saying you're worth something you're worthy you're worth something and so but true worship is a matter of the heart it, it it's it's felt um it can't be ritualistic it needs to really be real coming from the heart. We, we come and every Sunday we have a time of singing. It needs to be more than singing it be a time where we're ascribing to God worth, that we're becoming intimate with Him. It's a w- true worship, I think, is a heartfelt expression of our love, of our adoration, of our admiration, of fascination, of, of His glory, His wonder. It can be celebratory. It's something that happens inside of us, inside of our heart, uh, when we begin to praise God for who He is and thank Him for what He's done. And it's so important in our life. And there's really nothing difficult about worship. We all do it. Everyone worships. Some of us worship food, some of us worship our cars, some of us worship our money, some of us worship our houses. I mean, we are set up to worship, to adore, to give things our worthy, you know, our worth, and and to ascribe to those things. You know, there's even something in us that likes to lift our hands, Christian and non, but God says, worship me. Worship me in spirit, worship me in truth. Give to me, ascribe to the Lord glory, and honor. And so, so we are created to worship, but we need to begin to turn that more and more and more and put God first and worship Him. Give Him our thanks and our praise. Even when things are tough, just to say, God, You are worthy. You are sovereign. God, You've given me everything. You bestow Your grace upon me, and I thank You and I praise You. We need to, Colossians 3.1 says that we need to set our affections, our heart, on things above, not on things of earth. Who's ever lost something of value? We all have. You know, I look around and and knowing some of your stories and and guessing some of the others, some of you have lost homes. You just just, just couldn't afford it anymore. Something happened. You've lost cars. You've lost relationships. All of these things down here will will perish. But we set our hearts and affection on things above. And we become people who would worship God. In God's presence, Joshua was quick to worship. In God's presence, as soon as he knew that he was quick to worship, how about us? Will we we'll get to the point that we come together in God's presence and just begin to w- truly worship Him and ascribe Him glory? So that's something that we can learn from Joshua. Another thing that we, we need to become those who would worship God. And along that line, a third thing is that that as they in chapter six, when the angel or, or when the when uh, when God began to say, "This is what you're going to do," He says, "You put the ark of the covenant and you put the singers, those are going to be the priests who blow the trumpets in front of that. Now, in front of them." And and this is what, you know, some of you may have missed this because I think we've been taught that it was the priest blowing the trumpets at the very front. It wasn't. It was armed guards before them and armed guards behind them. Well, that sounds normal. Yeah, why? Because they were guarding the worship of God. They were guarding the worship of God. Do you guard your time of worship with God? Is that important? Is that a, is something that you won't let anything else come and rob? The worship of God is so important for us as Christians. We need to put the guards around it to protect that because as we worship God, what comes after our worship? The presence of God. The presence of God follows the worship of God. As we ascribe to Him His worship, what He's worthy of, the presence of God follows right behind in... Um, Psalm 22, 3, it says, you are holy, you're enthroned on the praises of Israel. So as we worship and praise God, His presence come, He's enthroned in that. And we need to guard our times of worship and not let things distract from it, not let things rob from it. You know, something happens in a congregation on a Sunday morning when we worship corporately that doesn't happen the same way when we worship privately. So you need to guard your time of coming to the congregation to the celebration of worship. But something happens when you worship at home apart from everyone else that doesn't happen on your corporate times of worship it 's intimate in a different way, so you need to guard this time too. We need to have both community times of worship and celebration and private times of worship and celebration they 're so important you can't you need them both and you can 't uh, replace one without the other and we need to become those who would guard those times, guard it, and say nothing's going to stop me from spending time and giving God his worth and his his worship. And we need to have a whole lesson on worship, and we're not going to do that right now. But but as we do that, one of the things it does is that it puts the right perspective. See, we're all so selfish, except me. ask my wife what a liar I am. We are all so selfish. We are always vying to put ourselves up and some of, some of us do it, 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 some of us put ourselves first by putting other people before us because we're really feeding our own, our own self and feeling good about being so humble. And some of you are going to think about that and say, oh Lord, is that me? Because that is me. I actually find, I love, I love to give and I love to serve, but sometimes I find out that I'm loving and serving because it makes me feel good. And so I'm still just thinking about me. And so the worship of God is putting him first. So we need to be people who would worship God and we need to be people who would guard our times of worship. Three things so far. Another thing, the fourth thing, and we're actually making time, we're, we're, I'm doing it right there. I love the clock right there. It just screams at me as I get closer. The fourth thing that we find is, remember, we talked about this a little bit, uh, but when Joshua was giving the orders to the people, they were going to march around every day for six days. On the seventh, they are going to march around seven times. He says, oh, by the way, shh, don't say anything. Don't shout, nothing is gonna come out of your mind. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago when we covered this, that he's saying, we don't want doubt to be coming out of us. We don't wanna be doubters. And that speaking really was, was gonna cause doubt to come in. Don't speak doubt. Don't be someone who poo-poos everyone else's. And, and sometimes, you know, I, 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 can be a, I can really speak those things sometimes, and I'm, I'm needing to, to work on those to not speak doubt and to be, really be an encourager. Um, and, you know, you can pray for me. I want, to be, I want to speak life. I want to speak truth, but I want to speak life and encouragement. But we needed people who wouldn't speak doubt. We wouldn't say, oh, the Lord can't do this. We want to speak of what the Lord can do. We don't want to be trapped in there. Um, fear and faith don't dwell together well. Fear and faith don't dwell. We don't want to be people who are fearful. You know, some, some of us in here, some of you in here, just fear grips you all the time. You find yourself, oh, you don't want to drive on the freeway, and you don't want to do this, you don't want to do that, because fear is just, fear is running your life, and we want to become people who don't listen and and walk in fear. I mean, there's wisdom, but there's a whole different thing about being guarded by wisdom and being guarded by fear. We need to become people of faith who would be willing to step out and just believe God at his word and say, I trust in the Lord. I'm not going to be guarded. I'm not going to be run by by fear. I'm not going to be, um, Uh, run by doubt, but I'm going to become a person of faith. It reminds me of of a Cherokee legend and many of you have heard this. There was an old grandfather and he said to his grandson who came to him uh, with an anger issue and he was angry at a friend who had done him an injustice. So the grandfather said, let me tell you a story. I too at times have felt a great hate for those who've taken so much with no sorrow for what they do, but hate wears you down and does not hurt your enemy. I have struggled with these feelings many times. It is as if there are two wolves inside of me. One is good and does no harm. He lives in harmony with everything around him. He doesn't take offense when none was intended. He will only fight when it is right to do so and in the right way. But the grandfather says, but the other wolf... Ah, he is full of anger. The littlest thing will set him into a fit of temper. He fights everyone all the time for no reason. He cannot think because his anger and hate are so great. It is helpless anger, for his anger will change nothing. And sometimes it's hard to live with these two wolves inside of me, the grandfather says, for both of them try to dominate my spirit. And the boy looked intently at his grandfather's, looked into his grandfather's eyes and asked, Grandfather, Which one wins? And with a smile, grandfather quietly said, Whichever one I feed. We have these things. Sometimes it's anger and goodness. Sometimes it's fear and faith. And they're battling within us. And the one that will win is the one that we feed. The one that we take care of. We need to stop feeding fear. We need to to begin to feed our faith and our hope in the life and not be people who speak speak fear and doubt, but become people that speak life and faith. Amen? Amen. The next lesson we we learn in the the book of Joshua in this chapter is is found when the walls come tumbling down. Did you know that walls are no problem for God? Walls are no problem for God. They are just not an issue at all. In, 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 in Joshua chapter 6, it says, See, I have given Jericho into your hands. The walls were still up, and he says, No problem, it's done. I've given them into your hands. In First John 4 4, we have the scripture that says, You, dear children, are of God and have overcome, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. See, God has no problem with walls at all. He can just, and they're gone. I mean, he says he spoke the universe into creation, he, all of it. And, and we think our problems are, are something for him to worry about. The walls of Jericho, whatever walls you're facing in your life, they're absolutely no problem for God. And if you're human in here, and some of you are, um, you are thinking, yeah, they might not be a problem for God, but they sure are a problem for me. Amen? Who's honest and say, yeah, I mean, I have walls in my life and they seem too big for me. They are, but they're not too big for God. And so what we need to do is be like Joshua, get into a place where we can hear from God, become people who worship God, guard our time of worship of God, begin to speak faith and the rest of the things that are in this message, and line ourselves up with God, and then our walls become God's walls. And those walls are no problem for God. See, we can't conquer our own. We can't fight these. We can't get through these walls. They're too big for us, but they're not too big for God. And so because we are in Christ, it says he, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is past. All things have become new. It says that he fights for us. So the, the thing is that we need to put him first, become worshipers of him. We need to put our trust and our faith in him, and we need to obey. We don't like that word. In fact, we, we, we hate it so much that, that for years and years and years, women have asked to take that word out of marriage ceremonies. You know, do I have to say obey? You know, and, and in the church, we say, you know, it's, oh, it's really not about obeying God. It's just about loving God. Well, when you love someone and they're good, it's easy to obey them. We need to begin to obey God, not because he's a taskmaster, but because he actually knows better than us. <coughs> He's been around the block once or two times more than us. You know, we are graduating our oldest son. We graduated him last year, and he is about to go on to college. And we're finding that he knows everything, <laughs> just like I did when I was 18. Remember? You know, we, we need to put ourselves back in that You know, it's like in, in that moment, it's like, you know, we, we don't know everything God does. And give it to Him. Give it to Him. Trust Him. Obey Him. And as we do that, as we also find ourselves doing these other ten things that we uh, are in here, we will begin to see walls come down. We'll begin to see the walls come down because walls are no problem for God. And that's a great lesson we learn. We also read and learn this. Starting in verse chapter 16, it says this. It, it, it talks about, you'll march around the city once every day for six days. And then on the seventh day, you march around it seven times. And this is how verse sixteen reads: Let "Get it right out of here." And the seventh time it happened, when the priest blew the trumpets, that Joshua said to the people, "Shout, for the Lord has given you the city." I like that first little line. It says, "And the seventh time it happened." Stop there. The seventh time, after six days of once a day. And the seventh day of seven times in the day, the seventh time it happened. You know, sometimes battles aren't won overnight. Amen, right? Some of us have been fighting a battle, have been dealing with the same thing, and we feel like we've just gone around the, the, we've gone around the camp again gone around in a circle. Sometimes the battles that we fight aren't won overnight. Sometimes we have to keep pressing in and pressing in. And then sometimes on the very last day, we have to go around it seven more times before finally the walls come tumbling down. If Joshua and the people would have given up on any one of the days up until day 7th, the walls would not have fallen. Not only that, if Joshua would have given up on the last day, the day that they're tired, they've already been doing this on the third time or the fourth time or the fifth time or the sixth time around, the walls would not have fallen down. Sometimes the battles that we're right in the middle of, they're going to be battles that we have to fight and keep fighting. We need to be obedient to the Lord. We need to be faithful to Him. We need to be spending the time with Him to keep going. God, I've been marching around. Am I still okay? Am I still supposed to keep marching? Yes. Keep on marching because the walls will fall down in the time that I have chosen for them to fall down. Battles aren't always won overnight. And that's the truth. That's just truth. And we don't know when when the end is. Unfortunately, we don't always have the plan ahead of time that says you do this and do this and this, and they will fall down on that date. But we have been given the promise. Seek me first. These other things will be added to you. I'll go before you, I'll be with you. When you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will be there. And we keep walking and we press in. And boy, be thankful and don't let yourself be the only one walking around the circle. Find other people who will walk with you and encourage you along the way. And if you find someone who's still having a problem with point number four, I believe it was, about doubting, don't listen to him. Find somebody who's gonna speak life and hope into your life. And get rid of the doubters. We sometimes just got to get rid of the doubters. Don't listen. We got to listen to him. Battles aren't always won overnight. Number seven. In verse 18. And you, Big Bear Christian Center, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Big Bear a curse and trouble it. Alright, I don't have to say anything. Church, we need to be not walking in the accursed things. Now, some of your versions might say devoted, and you're going, wait a second, Pastor Rob, my Bible says devoted. The, the Hebrew word for devoted, it, it, it can be used both ways, so you have to look in the context. And um, it's harem, you know, you've got to get a in those words. charem. it can mean devoted, but it can also mean cursed, devoted to something yes but often often devoted to something evil set apart for destruction is the more common use of that and as you read that it uses the same word kerem, each time it talks about that and so if you if you said well what if it was what if it was devoted does that make sense but um you by all means abstain from the devoted things lest you become devoted when you take of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a devoted, a, a curse there is also the same word, karem, um, make the camp of Israel devoted. That doesn't make any sense. But when you put cursed or accursed, it does. So that's how we know that it's not talking about devoted in, in the sense of devoted. It means devoted to the things of the enemy. How are we doing? Are we walking in things that are devoted to the enemy, that should be destroyed in our lives, that are a curse that aren't things proper for the people of God? See, there was the the holiness. God is is calling us to be holy. Now, his holiness and righteousness, yes, is inside of us, and we become holy and righteous. That doesn't give us permission to live in in unholiness or to surround ourselves with unholiness, but he's calling us to be separate, and that's what he called the people of Israel. Don't be like them. Don't take of the accursed things. And for for each of us, God's going to show you what those things are that he might say, you need to step out of that. And some of them might even be things that, that aren't necessarily bad. But it's as simple as you need to step out of that. Others may and you may not. Step out. Don't take of the accursed things. Abstain. That's a great word, isn't it? Because it doesn't make me feel good. It must be a good word. Abstain. Huh? How about just minimal? No. no. Abstain. Abstain from the accursed things. Number eight. We're, we're, we're coming on the home stretch. Verse 19. Verse 19. All the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and irons are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Come on. Really, God? I mean, there is some good loot in there. There is some great things that would really bless me in that place. You know, can I have any of it? No. Why? Why? Because God's a stickler, and he's a stink pot, and he's all these things, and he he's just doesn't want me to have any fun. No, because he, li- he gives us principles to live by, and this is where we see one of the principles of God. Give God the first fruits. This is the first battle that they're going to go in. And he says, everything in this battle is mine. Give it all. We can learn something by giving God our first fruits. We we get a chance to do it every Sunday as we give our tithes and offerings. We're supposed to give a first fruit of what he's blessed us with with our finances back to God. And we want to give him the first we want to give him the first part of our day. We want to give him the best of everything that we have. Give him the first fruits. Don't give him the leftovers. Whatever he's calling, say give it. he says, I want that. You give it to him first. Now, we're going to find as we go through the book of Joshua, even in the next battle that after they have the problem, and, and Corey and Robert are going to hit on that, that they get the silver and the gold, and they, and they get to receive the blessings of God. They don't know if there's going to be more blessings. That's the problem. You know, have you ever been in that situation where you go, man, I'm, you know, I'm supposed to give God out of the first fruits, you know, but I don't know if anything else is coming. And if it doesn't come, I don't know if I can give. We give God the first fruits and leave it up to God. Give Him your morning. Give Him of your finances. Give Him the best. What else do we learn from the book of Joshua chapter 6? As He commands the people to go in, don't touch the accursed things, bring all the silver and gold back to the house of the Lord. Oh yeah, by the way, Rahab the harlot, you guys go in there and save her and her family. All that are in her house, save her and take her outside as we destroy the rest of the city." You know how hard that would have been? I can imagine chaos was ensuing. Thousands and thousands of warriors on the outside. Thousands and thousands of people on the inside. Walls come crashing down. All the Israelites run in, and they're fighting, fighting, fighting. And in the midst of that, they have to be careful of one household. Wouldn't it have been easy? I mean, these are, she's, a, she's a harlot. She's a prostitute. They're, they're part of a people that don't serve God. Kill them. No, because they had given their word. They had given their word. When they were in that city and she protected them, they swore an oath and they said, we give you our word. We'll protect you if you have the scarlet cord in your window. We covered that a few weeks ago. We need to be people of our word, even when it hurts. Even when it's easier to not be a person of our word. We need to be people who would follow through on our word. And if you're not willing to follow through, then by all means, don't give the word. Don't say yes if you know you're not going to follow through. Be truthful. But God would say, be a person of your word. There's a whole lesson in that. I don't think we really need it. We just need to remember, I need to speak the truth, and I need to follow through. Do you have a debt? Pay it. That's being a person of your word. We need to become people who are above reproach and say, you know what? They follow through with their word. Did you say you were going to show up and help? Show up and help. Be a person of your word. And the, the, t- the tenth thing, and there's more, but the tenth things that, that I saw in this chapter is that when they went in and they did all the work and they fought and they marched around the city, there was no reward for them. Not immediately. What a bummer. You know, sometimes in life, we don't get the reward right away. We just have to be faithful. We don't always get to see the plunder. It doesn't always directly benefit us. At the end, we can look back and say, oh, I see how it benefited us, but in the moment, we can't. That's just the way God does it because he wants to know if we're faithful. He wants to see if we're going to follow through even when there's no direct benefit for us. We don't always receive immediate or obvious or outward blessing from our obedience, but we have to be faithful. And we just keep marching around the city and we're faithful and we keep going and we leave it up to God of how he wants to bless us you know I struggle with this sometimes you know I've, we've struggled with it I've struggled with it in different ways even when we were in Guatemala some of the other missionaries and we, you know our, our couch was smaller than two of these chairs and that was our couch because we couldn't get two butts in the couch it was like a butt and a half and some of the other missionaries got—they kept getting couch. Remember when they, we, we, you know, we'd hear, "Oh, they got a couch! God, can not we have a couch? We're faithful." Where? You don't always see the reward. God, I'm tired of serving without the reward. It does get tiring. That's why we surround ourselves with other believers and we press through because see, God has a different reward for each of us. You know, one of the things we learned so so well in Guatemala. Was, was that God rewarded each, each missionary in a different way. There was this one family down there, um, the Dentons, and, and I mean, you know, we were down there for months and months, and I, I mean, I think we got a, a, maybe a letter, but you know, we didn't get, we didn't get packages. No, we sent us packages, and, and they show up, and like the first week they were there, they got a box. And then the second week, they got a box. And then they came like every week and sometimes two or three boxes a week of goodies from the states. When you're overseas, I mean, even though it's not quite a sea to get there, but when you're overseas, when you're out of the country, you know, sometimes you miss the things of home. And so they were getting stuff sent to them in the mail every week. And they, and, and they lived, they had to walk by our house, so, so we got to see them carrying their box. <laughs> Thank God. I mean, can't they live across town so we don't have to see it? But see, God knew that they needed to the wife needed to receive the box. It was for her. It was just for her. Joe didn't really care, but it blessed her to receive a box. So God knows how to do what He needs to do for you. And we don't look at what everyone else is getting, but we just have to say, you know, sometimes the reward's going to be down the road, sometimes it's going to look like this, sometimes it's going to look like that. We just need to stay focused on on God and say, Lord, I trust you to bring in the provision that you want to bring in. You know, I'm looking at, you know, pick on Robin for a minute, you know, I'm looking at her and God has done so many miracles in that woman's life, in her body, in her mind, in the healing and yet, a year ago, she was going, "Ah, uh, where's the healing? What are you doing, God?" And two, two years ago, she was, th- three years ago, because this is, she went through years of this fighting this, and and now the healing's beginning to come. And she, you know, she's. I think I was questioning more than she was. God, where's the healing? See, God, di- di- different, but He's blessed her in so many ways. And I, and I know all of our story, I know some of our stories, and you say, you know, sometimes the blessings take a while. They come in different shapes, but look to the Lord and don't give up. Your blessings come, but it might not be today, it might not be immediate. But in faithfulness, He'll reward us. He says He rewards those who diligently seek Him. Those are 10 things that we can take away from the book of Joshua. 10 things that I, I pray that you'll, you'll be encourage yourself and find yourself setting a times, a way to to listen to God and, guard, and, 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 and worship God and guard your times of worship with him and stop speaking doubt. Don't be one who would speak doubt. Be one who would understand that walls aren't a problem for God. And if you line yourself up with him, your walls will come tumbling down, but they might not come overnight. They're going to come in God's <laughs> own timing. And in that process... Even though other people all around you might be going in for the accursed things, and we're going to find out that someone does that in chapter seven, in this first chapter, that we're going to separate ourselves and say, you know what? I'm not going to say how close to the edge can I get, but how holy can I be? I'm going to abstain from the things that you would say are, are devoted for the things of the enemy, and not they're not for me. And God, I'm going to learn to give you the first fruits and everything in my life, even when it's hard and when it's difficult. I'm going to become a person of my uh, of my word what my word will be true my yes will be yes and my no will be no and god help me because i'm not always going to receive that which i want to receive when i want to receive it but i'm going to trust in you I'm be a follower of you and you're going to bring it in your timing let's pray father your word is full of lessons life lessons instructions encouragement father they're not always they're not always positive sometimes they're difficult stories and difficult things that we need to learn but, Father, all of these will help build our faith. So we pray that we'll take something away this week, that you'll encourage us this week to, to continue to march around the wall, to be faithful to you. God, challenge us, help us to become overcomers. But we thank you that greater are you that lives in us than he that's in the world. We thank you that you're for us and not against us and that you'll walk with us. Lord, I would also pray that everyone in here would find themselves in a a community, not just this large group, but also smaller groups, life groups, and and people who will meet to pray and to encourage one another and share this journey of life together, the hardships and the victories both. Be with us this week, in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. 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 Amen.